Amen, amen, amen. Oh, it is great to be in the house of the Lord. Can we, is that it with the lights? I can't really see the people. Can we feel like, can we go old school? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I love how she did the matrix on our show. <laughs> our show was trying, she was like, woo. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. Um, I have to admit, get ready. I have a pretty bold message for you. Uh, it's going to challenge you. Uh, my goal is to challenge you and to um, disturb you, but also to build you up today. So that's a hefty, hefty, hefty goal I have. But I want you to get prepared. Uh, but before I do that, uh, my wife, Regina, wants to say hello to everyone. Um, she actually asked me if, does she want me to come or stay? And, you know, she's still, you know, dealing with the whole COVID with groups, and so she's still on the fence going back and forth, and I didn't want her to be anxious, and part of me was selfish because I didn't want to have to be late. You understand? Uh, <laughs> uh, that whole, if she would have came, uh, the Holy Spirit in the flesh would have been at battle because I would have been like, you look good, let's go, you look good, and then the Holy Spirit would have been like, be kind, be patient, and the flesh would have been like, hurry up, hurry up. So that's how that would have went. So I'm so glad that my wife is at home, but she wants me to tell you hello. Um, and so I'm grateful to be here. I'm glad that uh, Pastor Gary is getting a break, uh, a well-deserved break, and I'm glad that he's allowing and trusting people like me to get in here. He's going to get a lot of emails, I guarantee you. Uh, sorry, Gary. Um, it's just the way it is. You got to get ready. Uh, Jason, I want to thank you for stepping in the gap. I know I called you at the last minute, but you did a great job. You did a great job. And uh, that's what happens when you get a degree in theology and you got a lot of archive messages. You got to be ready. <laughs> I asked Anthony if he would take my place. He's like, bro, I just got off vacation. I'm not ready. So that's kind of how that went. Um, what do I want to talk about today? Uh, for me, it's something that has been on my heart. Uh, my brother Carlton and I, in our study group, our show's part of it, when he shows up. <laughs> That's an inside joke. We love our show. But when he shows up, he, 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 he's, he's on fire. But we studied the book of Hebrews about seven years ago, and we actually went through it a couple of times, and it actually changed some of my erroneous theology that I grew up with. And, um, and what I want to talk about, the message is called, Relax, You Are Safe and Secure. And what I want to talk about is that how I grew up, not really understanding that I was completely and totally forgiven by the finished work of Jesus Christ. See, I was taught that I was saved, but my behavior also mattered with my justification with God. I gotta say that slow. I knew I was saved, but I also was taught that my behavior, my performance, also made me justified before God. And so the challenge that I want to ask you today, and here's a bold question I want to ask you. What if you never, ever, well, let me qualify this. I want to talk to you as safe people. I'm assuming that you've already made your first confession, that you were a sinner, and that you believed in your heart that Jesus was, that he died and he was buried and he rose, and he is our mediator. He is the way, the truth, and the light. I'm already assuming that you made your first confession 
and now you are born again and you are a child of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. He's sealed with you. You have a new spirit. He's poured his heart into you, and now you're on this journey of being a light. Now, what I'm not saying is behavior does matter, but does it justify us with God? Now, this is not a new problem in the Christian dome. Paul had to deal with it, and we're going to go in Galatians, but understand this. I was talking to Arshel and Valerie, who both grew up Catholic, and they kind of gave me some of the legal systems in Catholicism. It's just like it is in the Protestants. Um, they, have, they go to Mass, and they have a priest, and there's confessionals. What do we do in the Protestant world? We have you come up here, what we call, quote unquote, an altar, and you got pastors and pray people, lay people pray over you, and then you feel justified and you feel right with God. That's kind of how I'm boldly telling you this is erroneous teaching. It is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just, it, and I'm going to prove it to you through scripture. You're not just going to take my word. But do me a favor today. I was taught by a beautiful man of God who, who brought me into Christ, and I actually went to him. He passed away at 94, but he was a bold man for God, and he taught me how to be bold for God. And so to go to him and go, man, you, you kind of taught some wrong doctrine. Was, not only was I nervous, because he was like my father figure in the faith, um, but he just taught me to be bold for God, and he taught me to love Jesus. But having said that, I believe that there was some erroneous teaching in that pulpit year after year, day after day, that we were taught. Um, and so this is what I want to challenge you. Here's the bold question. What if you, son, saint, daughter of God, never ever confessed another sin in your life, ever, would you be justified before God? That's the bold question, write it down. And here's your assignment, just don't take my word for it. Take these scriptures that you will see today and exegete them for yourself. Study to show yourself approval. A workman needeth not be ashamed. One who rightly divides the word of truth. You study for yourself. And now I, I'm gonna confess that I can go even deeper with some of these scriptures that we're going to read. But let's go back. The Barner Group, which is a Christian organization, polling, uh, organization. They I think they were founded in 1984. They did a poll of saved Christians. 81% of saved Christians believe in a work-based system for salvation and being justified with God. Eight out of ten. So I'm in good place because I was part of that. I've been freed from that bondage, and my goal is to free you today from that bondage. What is the number one problem? that will cause us to not really understand the full, beautiful gospel message of Jesus Christ. That it is about Jesus and Jesus alone and what he did, and that we don't add to the finished cross. How do we get in this mess? Well, it's not a 21st century problem. It's a first century problem. Can you turn to Colossians 2.8? The, the tech team, you guys told me you was gonna be on point, you was gonna be ready, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> We don't see it on this screen. There it is. Here it is. Check this scripture out. See to it that no one takes you captive. This is Paul talking to the Colossians. By philosophy and empty deceit, according to, check this out, human tradition, according to the elementary spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Human tradition. 
One virgin said, uh, the mere traditions of men. Right? So that's, that's, where we, that's where it starts. We begin to listen to men. They begin to add to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and well-meaning men. My pastor, who I love, who taught me, lo- he's in heaven right now. He loved Jesus. He, he taught his church with the best he knew. But it was out of his tradition that he taught us that behavior plus the finished work of Jesus Christ made you justified before God. Now go to Galatians 3 with me. Here it is, Paul having a problem with the Galatians. Look what he calls them. He says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing it with faith? Are you so foolish? Check this out. Having begun by the Spirit and now you're being perfected by the flesh. So here you are, you accept Jesus Christ, you accept the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, and now you're gonna start adding works to your justification. That's, that's where he's going with it. And so what, when I talk about um, adding uh, the law to uh, the finished work of Jesus Christ, what, what do I mean by that? I kind of simplified it by saying, law is any belief system in which God responds after you and I initiate good behavior. I like that. I'm gonna say it again. Law is any belief system in which God responds after we initiate good behavior. Can you turn to uh, Galatians 4 and give me the amplified version on that one? Come on, man, I thought you guys were fat. Okay, there it is. (laughs) So also, this is it, check this out. So also we, where the Jews are Gentiles, when we were children, spiritually immature, we were kept like slaves under the elementary, check this out, man-made religious or philosophical teaching of the world. The next verse. But when God, but when in God's plan, the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Keep going. So that he might, this is what I like, so that he might redeem and liberate those who were under the law. That we who believe might be adopted as sons, as God's children with all rights, as fully grown members of the family. If I was to just exegete this, I would want you to capture how Jesus Christ was born under the law, but he came to redeem us from the law. So a lot of the teachings that my pastor gave, he would say things like, and I'm gonna get to it, but he would say things like, you need to, if you don't forgive your brother, God won't forgive you. It's in the Bible. Jesus actually said that in Matthew. He also said, look man, if your right eye offends it, pluck it out. How about if your right hand offends you? Oh, you need to cut that off too. We would be amputated if we had to follow. <laughs> I mean, he actually put Moses on 2.0. You know, when he said, you know, it was said, don't murder. I said, if you get angry at your brother, you're a murderer. What is Jesus teaching us? He's teaching us that we're under the law, that no one can live up to it. No one can. I mean, if, I know I didn't ask you to do this, but can you, t- 
I think it's in James 2.10. Basically, I'll tell you what it means. The law is such a curse. It basically says, if you get nine right, but miss one, you kind of blew all of it. That, that's, that's under the law. And I just read to you that Jesus came under the law, but he came to redeem us from the law. So it is so easy that Paul is like, I don't even want to get mean, but you're kind of foolish. You started with this beautiful gospel. You saw him die. He was buried. He rose. And you, you, you started out in the spirit, but these Judaizers are trying to tell you, ah, oh, you need to be circumcised too to be justified. Can you hear me? Okay, I didn't know. You guys, help me out. I didn't know if you could hear me or not. You can hear me, okay. So, um, what was my, oh, getting back to you foolish Galatians, that's, that's kind of how we are. Can I, can I say we really dilute this beautiful gospel message and we dilute what Jesus Christ has done for us when we add our two cents to the finished work of Jesus Christ. But what, 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 what confuses us? What, how come we don't rightly divide the word of truth? Um, I just want to just give you a few other scriptures for your own edification, for you to go home and study. I think I have it in bullet points. TJ hooked me up. Uh, the first one says, the law kills. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. Read that one for us. Don't read it. I mean, just take that home. We're dead to the law. Galatians 2, 19. We're not under the law. Romans 6, 14. We're free from the law. Romans 6 and 7. Here's what I like. We're not supervised by the law. Galatians 3, 25. And then let me pause. Well, who are we supervised by? We got a better, better covenant. Amen. We're actually supervised by the Holy Spirit. Yes. He's now our God. I mean, you know, Galatians 5 says, right? If you, are, if you walk by the Spirit, here's, here's, the, here's the fruit that you're going to bear. Love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, faithfulness. Against such, there is no law. That's who is our guide now. He, he guides us. We don't need the law. We're dead to it. We're not supervised by it. Let's not add to the finished work of Jesus Christ. And this is pretty much why it's hard for us to witness to people because we make it about us. Hmm, my behavior wasn't right. That person saw me get mad at that person, and now I can't talk about Jesus because they saw it. It ain't about your behavior. It's really about what Jesus did for you and me. It's not about our behavior. It's not about our performance. And so I want to talk about the sin problem because that is the major hang-up. That is the major bondage that we have as Christians. We don't believe that we are free and that we are totally forgiven. Can we put up Hebrews 10, verse 1 through 18, in the Amplified Version? I only got 15 minutes left. All right, let's go. Here, Hebrews 10. Check this out. For since the law has but a shadow of good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year. Check this out. Make perfect those who draw near. Keep going. Otherwise, would they have not ceased to be offered? If it, pretty much if it worked. Why is it obsolete, right? Since the worshipers, having been once cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. Pause right there. Go back. Hmm. 
I remember in our Bible study, we had to pause. We no longer have any consciousness of sin. The, 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 the Jewish folks had it better than us. The high priest would make a sacrifice on a yearly basis, and there would be a scapegoat. By the way, I got another thought. I'm sorry, I'll go back to that one. You and I, our little God, will you forgive me, will you forgive me, will you forgive me over and over again, really, really, really doesn't please God. It basically says, without the what? The shedding of blood, there could be what? No remission. Thank you, brother. Without the blood, there could be no remission of sin. So we get caught up in thinking we feel right when we come up here and our shell prays over you and I pray over you and Carlton prays over you and Valerie prays over you and on and on. And you go away, you feel right and justified. Not the gospel. But go ahead, put it back up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. It says they would no longer have any consciousness of sin. We got it much better and we still feel guilty. I'll, I'll deal with that later. Next verse. But in these sacrifices, there is a remen- reminder of sins every year. See how it just was every year? It wasn't every day like us, and that's the old covenant. But go ahead. Uh, next verse, please. And if I had glasses, I, I would be in the scripture myself, but I'm not. I, I depend on our great team up there. For, if it was, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to what? It's impossible. Next verse. Consequently, this is what I like. When Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. Who? Our heavenly father. It is his economy that counts anyway. Not man's, not foolish man, not what we think. It's what God thinks. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. But check this out. But a body have you prepared for me. Next verse. And burnt offerings... And if you were with me in class and sin offerings, I would ask you to highlight that. And can I pause real quick and tell you how my pastor taught me how to study the word? He said, imagine if Jesus, imagine Satan uh, when he told Eve, did God really say? And he says, repeat back to Satan, that's what he said. And so for me, I've been doing that my whole life. So can we go back to that scripture? And you guys help me out. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Did he really say that? That's what he said, right? All right, next verse. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Next. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered back according to the law. Next verse. Then he added, behold, I've come to do your will, to die for you and I, to take our place, to become sin so that he can transfer his righteousness to us. He he does away with the first order to establish the second, next verse, and by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hmm. Hmm. No repeat, no high priest going over and over again, once and for all. What's the next verse say? And every priest stands daily at this service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice. What does it say? Which can what? Never take away sins. Next verse. But when Christ had offered for all time, there's that word, a single sacrifice for sins, 
He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. I didn't want to do this, but I might as well do it. Can you go to Hebrews 9 and 27? I want to say that to the end, but I'm not. Hebrews 9, you just heard a one-time sacrifice. He perfected us with his one-time sacrifice. Look at what this says. And just as it's appointed for man to die once, after that comes the judgment. Check out the next verse. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, why did he say many? Because you have to receive him like we did. It's just not offered to everybody. You have to have faith and believe in him. You are justified by your faith, you know, not by your works. But he says, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Why? What to do what? Not to deal with what? Well, why isn't he going to deal with sin? Because it worked the first time. He don't have to do it again. Now, that word, not to deal with sin, right? Now, I want to just turn really quick to some quick observations about the sin problem. What I'm not saying is that behavior doesn't matter. Don't hear me. Don't hear me say that, because I don't want Gary to get crazy emails. Behavior does matter. We should be a light, right? We should express Christ, which is the holy, which is the fruit of the spirit. I mean, come on. We, as a matter of fact, if I was a teacher on sin, I would tell you Romans tells us we are dead to sin. What does that mean, Keith? That means when the thought comes, the lustful thought comes, I need to take that thought captive and say, that is not the will of God. I will not look at her and undress her in an ungodly way. When anger comes, I'm taking thoughts of anger ca- captive. I'm fixing my mind on what is true and what is just. And, you know, I, don't, I could go on and on. Behavior matters, but it doesn't justify me with God, right? My birth, my belief in Jesus Christ, my faith, He actually said, if I would have slowed down, he actually said Abraham was justified and made right before God because of his faith. He believed in his promises, and we are his children, the people of faith, the Gentiles. He actually explains that. I should have slowed down, but I don't have but 10 more minutes. It is your faith in Jesus Christ. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. That makes you justified, not your works. And so hopefully I'm building a case that law-based religion doesn't work and that we have diluted the cross of Jesus Christ by thinking that, our, that it's about us and it's not about Jesus. You know, I love Carlton because I was talking to Carlton in our show and he said, make sure you remember this point. When we talk about the two thieves on the cross and one was condemned already because he didn't believe Jesus, the other one believed him and Jesus said, this day you will be with me the person, Jesus Christ. Well, if it was a work-based religion, when he would have said, man, you stole him from a lot of people, you probably beat somebody up to get some of that stuff you stole. Get down off the cross and ask Anthony to forgive you. Why didn't he say it? If, if that's the theology that is based on me and you, Jesus said, because you believe in me, you have eternal life, everlasting life. The other person was condemned because what? He didn't believe in the one whom God has sent. We saw that it was God's plan to send Jesus to do the work that we couldn't do. None of us can be right. Look, we're already born in this. Can I talk about sin for a minute? We are born into sin with a sin nature, all of us. And I do want to throw a nugget at you real quick. By the way, uh, when you are born again, he gives you a new nature, and that old nature has been crucified with Christ. I don't think we have two natures. 
I just think we have one nature and we have a new nature and we are a new person. And I, that's another message and I got scriptures to back that up. I'll be back, don't worry, I'll be back. I'll be back. But check this out though. I want you to look at some of these verses um, and I have them written down in big bold letters so we don't have to wait for the great tech team, but they can put them up there. Hebrews, well go to Colossians 2.13. It basically says, having, look, and I want you to realize, and I'm not an English major, Art Schell is our scribe, he's a great writer, but I do know when something is past tense. Uh, and so check out what the scripture says after the cross, after the resurrection, what the epistles say in the New Testament. Colossians 2 says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. What does that say? Having what? Forgiven. Is that past tense? Having forgiven us all our trespasses. All right, Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So it's not... You, Keith, you better ask him to forgive you or, you or God is going to be mad at you. It's now that you're saved and you've been forgiven much, and you've, for, you've been forgiven all your sins, forgive him just as, as God has forgiven you, right? I mean, that's, 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 that's clear. I mean, that's what he said. I'm not making this up. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. First John 2, 12 says, I'm writing you, little children, because your sins, plural, have been forgiven for his namesake. Sins, plural, not one. So I'm coming, I'm in finance, so I like, to, I like numbers. Sins is plural. All of our sins are forgiven. The word all, all sins, plural, I believe that when Jesus Christ, and this is the word of God, was on the cross, all of our sins, past, present, and future, were nailed to the cross. I don't think that he's given them out in installments when you come up here, you're justified, or when you go to the priest in Catholicism, you're justified. I just personally believe, with all my heart, what the scripture says, has been forgiven. All your sins are forgiven. He's not coming back to deal with sin. I'm building a strong case for you to take home for yourself and to study and exegete it yourself. But there's no way anybody, I don't care if they have a PhD, five PhDs, can tell me that I am under the law and that what Jesus has done for me, it wasn't finished, that I have to do something. I'll tell that person, no, I, I get it. I need to be a light. I am a new creation, my behavior matters. I should not grieve the Holy Spirit, but my salvation is settled. I get to rest with Jesus Christ, I get to relax, I am secure, and that's why Paul said rejoice in the Lord. He didn't say sometimes, he said always, because you know what, at the end of the day, it only matters what God thinks. And to make it plain and simple, there's only two kinds of people in this world. I know we try to divide each other up, but when you get the mind of God, you're either regenerated or unregenerated. 
And the wrath of God is coming on those who say no to Jesus Christ. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Our job is to spread this great news. You know, you know, I used to have people in my family say, I can't come to church because I'm not right yet. And I used to go, me neither. Come on. Come on. Come on. We're, all tr- we're on the 80-year plan. We're all trying to get there. But don't say, oh, I'm not right. You ain't going to never be right. You got a sinful nature. You better get saved. Because when he comes back, he says he's not coming back to deal with sin, but to take all of us who already are grafted into his family, and we will be with him forevermore. But the sad part of it is the second judgment is for those when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? The most important question in the world, who do you say that I am? He's the son of God. He's the son of man. He's our redeemer. Come on now. I mean, so look, I got to end. But I just want you to just be free from this bondage because religion is a return to bondage. Read Galatians 4. You're free. You're not free to sin because you know what? We're dead to it. Why should we go back into it? We have power over it. But your behavior, I hate to say it, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. We're trying to make him known and make him known to the world. Kill your ego. I know grace... I know some of you disciplined people, you want rules and regulations. That's what man will make up. We already said, what's the takeaway? We already know that man messes this up. I'm trying to help clean it up. I want the elders to clean it up and Pastor Gary to clean it up. I mean, even in Pastor Gary's sermon in Mark, I mean, look how the people love Jesus, the outsiders. And I think he, they relaxed twice with him. They were at rest with him. Look what Jesus said to the woman that was caught in adultery and, and those bigots didn't even bring them in. I mean, wasn't he, she caught in adultery with somebody. Why did they leave homeboy there? <laughs> That's just how men are, right? But they, they bring in, Jesus covers her, and he goes, where are your accusers? Now, here's the creator of the world. Guess what he said? I didn't come to what? Condemn, right? So he looks at her, and he goes, where are your accusers? She goes, they are none. He goes, neither do I. It's good news. But guess what he tells her? Here's the disease of mankind. Go and sin no more. Just go and sin no more. Because that's the biggest disease of mankind. Out of sin comes COVID, coveting and hatred and racism and, and murder and, and adultery. And he says, don't do that. Go and sin no more. So I am wrapping this up. But I hope you take these scriptures and study them for yourself in detail. I mean, I've been doing it for 10 years and I still get them. But I rejoice. I'm free. My behavior doesn't justify me before God. My puny confessions don't. The first one does, but after that, I mean, look, and I do tell God, you know what? I agree with you. That's what confession is. I do constantly repent. I need to turn away. Look, come on, man. I'm one of them cats who used to come up and, you know, I had problems with you. You came up in my face jamming me up and you want to fight? Okay, let's, you know, I was one of those guys, right? And I'm still, still trying to kill those sinful, fleshly ways of thinking. But I'm his son. Can't take it away from me. All of you who were born with two parents, when you disobeyed them, were you not their kids still? Your physical birth didn't determine your behavior, and neither does your spiritual birth. Let's stand. Uh, Let's pray. 
and then you can go home and study. And I'll be out there if you want to talk, because then there will be less emails for Gary. Um, but I, I won't, because I know you love me, and I love you. And uh, we can talk. And I think there should be some classes about our new nature and our, the new covenant. I think we get it too twisted. And that's just my opinion. But let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain forever. I pray that you will give people revelation, Father, and that you will free them from the bondage of law-based religion, and that we will meditate on the goodness of what you've done, how you've lavished your love on us, and how you love us. Psalms 103 says, you, as far as the east is from the west, you, remember, you removed our sins. So, Father, I pray that we will get this knowledge today and take it home and hide it in our heart. Let the enemy not steal it. In Jesus' name, amen.